morning has turned to afternoon. Good afternoon, everyone. But the grind carries on. Not just the grind physically, but the grind mentally. The Midday Grind, featuring a couple of TV jockeys who've also been through the radio wars. <laughs> Serious? Martin Kilcoin. I was a little lit, so I was saying whatever I wanted. And Charlie Marlowe. Our top story tonight, John Jay will be back tomorrow. Here's him getting a hit in 2012. It's the Midday Grind on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. workers hello hot shots beautiful day eh, it's kind of gray actually but i'm in a good mood so that's good if, fact, if you're in a good mood yeah. that makes it a beautiful day Chuck. that's what i'm saying i think it's it's more sometimes about your attitude and maybe it's because baseball is back and brian hoffman jim hewer we have sports overlap we tonight do. with blues and cardinals and hopefully that will be the case for when when's game seven of the stanley cup final that the blues will hopefully win their first cup that's Sometime in June? End of May, early June. Okay. Yeah. So hopefully we have sports We don't know. Overlap. We've never had that happen. Right. <laughs> For another uh, two-plus months here, we're live at Hot Shots in St. Charles, one of our favorite spots. It's the Midday Grind on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. Charlie Marlowe, Brian Hoffman, Jim Hewer. Get your texts in, 855-282-8255. we got the baseball show coming up at 1 o'clock as well. But we're going to focus on a lot of... Uh, baseball as well after what an exciting game yesterday even though it didn't end great for cardinals fans obviously but uh to to start off the season with jose martinez almost hitting the oppo bapo off josh Hader, one of the best relievers in all of baseball and for lorenzo kane to rob a home run and for the game to end like that i'm watching i'm kind of thinking oh oh my god the game just ended in that fashion that's crazy baseball is back i was on the phone with someone else we were in a conversation and i just go oh hold on a minute oh wait king just caught it <laughs> and he's like what happened and he, i go watching the game don't tell me i i'm don't worry you don't want to watch it they lose that's all you need to know kane robbed him but it was it was one of those things where hater was so dominant against every other guy and then here he comes off the bench. Martinez comes through again. He is pretty amazing. The more you watch him, the more opportunities he gets. He answers every chance. And I was thinking prior to that at bat when he was right before he swung was that there is a guy on the team. There's two pit hitters that I think the Cardinals have who I'm confident can catch up to a hater pitch. And one of them's Jose, Jose Martinez. The other one's Judd Jerko. So I think they did a good job of holding on to that one last bullet just because Jose – it kind of has that kind of swing where he can cheat a little bit and try to catch up to that mid to upper 90s pitch. When you're watching that game on TV as well, the shadows and the, and the sun changing Ooh, that was bad. right in the middle of, of basically from the mound to the plate, it looks like it would be impossible to hit. Now, however, I was reading Paul Goldschmidt said afterwards that it actually looks much worse on TV or if you're looking out at the field than actually how it impacts the hitter. Sometimes, remember those 3 o'clock games at Bush Stadium? They are always on Fox. And Matt Holliday complained about them where you'd have kind of shadow gate. They always yeah. used to have those playoff games where they'd get like the yeah. 4 o'clock start yes. or something, right when the sun's starting to set. But uh, Goldschmidt said, actually, the shadows did not impact 
the vision as much as you'd think. But I'm just thinking, man, as you're watching Josh Hader, who hides the ball really well anyway, and he's throwing 96, he's throwing 98, and he's coming from this weird hidden arm angle. And then you have just the look of the field. I'm like, gosh dang, for Jose Martinez to even barrel that ball to right center and almost get it out is pretty darn impressive. But the Cardinals lose 5-4 in the opener to the Brewers. Miles Michaelis hit around pretty good. Five innings, allowing five earned runs and three homers. It's one game. Should we make big sweeping uh, yes. takes? It's the end of the world. From yes. the one game. All you do, if, if you retire the pitcher yesterday, you win. The the rally that, that yeah. cost Joel you the lead was started by a single by Chassin, and then he hit the home run that ultimately became the the game-winning run. It's all you had to do yesterday was retire the starting pitcher, and you probably win yesterday afternoon. Agreed 100%. That's when um, the first rally, Yeah, I was like, well, you, you don't have any blame, anybody to blame but yourself, Miles, because when you let the pitcher beat you in a situation like that, uh, you deserve to lose, unfortunately. That's just the way baseball plays itself out. If you let the pitcher in a lineup get on and impact the game, you should lose the game. That's just the way it is. And balls were flying out yesterday. So obviously a rough outing for Miles Michaelis. I'm not drawing any huge conclusions. He had a bad from start that. at Miller Park to start the year last right. year. Except for he hit the bomb, right? Yes. And held that is true. Yes. last year. Yes. And, and I said this yesterday. I just think it's going to be really difficult, no matter what, it's going to be really difficult for Miles Michaelis to replicate some of his baseball card stats from last year. I do think he's going to eat innings. I think he'll be close to 200. Hopefully, if he stays healthy, he seems to have the frame, and he's a strike thrower, and he loads up the zone, so I think he's going to eat innings. Um, I just think it's going to be difficult to have that sub-3 ERA and be that 18-game winner type. And, and that's just because last year everything went well for Miles Michaels. And I'm not even drawing this conclusion based on yesterday. You know what I'm saying? Don't, don't you think last year for Miles it was kind of the perfect scenario, and it's the perfect scenario for him to get the extension in this past offseason? Because if I'm him, I, I feel like there's probably not another time where his value will be no. that high and he'll have that leverage to tell the Cardinals, look, if you want to do a deal, let's do it right now in February or March because once the season starts, I want to pitch. And he got that deal. He's only as high right now as he'll ever be. It's never It's Unfortunately, it's going to go down from here. I don't think it's going to bottom out to where it's, you know, dragging. But he's about as high as the ceiling is going to get, without a doubt. I don't ever see him winning 18 games again and only losing four. Uh, more like 15 and 11, 15 and 10. And you'll take that. And, and Absolutely. You will take that. And the other thing is just because he started the home opener or the season opener, he's not the ace of the staff. I don't think, at least from my uh, feeling, he's not the ace, but he's one of the five, and he's going to be a solid five for you. And that's where I think when you look at stuff-wise, and it's a great problem to have, but Jack Flaherty, you would think, is going to be – your ace. Yes. And it made sense after what Miles did last year to reward him with the open day start. He was the workhorse last year. He got the contract. You reward him. And the Cardinals always figure out a way to kind of have two opening day starters. We saw that through the years, whether it was Wayno and Loesch or Wayno and Carp, that one of those guys would get the opener, and then it would always work out that another one of those kind of co-aces would get the home opener. So I think it's fair to say that Jack Flaherty – 
will probably be the ace of the staff. But if Miles Michaelis is a very solid and dependable number two type, again, we're talking about a pitcher. Or even was, a three. That's what I'm saying. But he was sixth in the Cy Young Award yes. last year. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a good problem to have. I think one thing that was somewhat encouraging yesterday, understanding that they, they lost, even beyond Colton Wong, was which I think was the most encouraging aspect, three guys who – you know, aren't discussed really in, in terms of what you consider to be a bullpen strength, came in and relatively held a, a really good Brewers offense down. And if you, we know that everyone's excited about Andrew Miller and Alex Reyes and obviously Jordan Hicks coming out of the pen. And there's intrigue about possibly adding Carlos Martinez at some point this summer to that bullpen. But if Dominic Leone is the reliever you thought you were acquiring at the beginning of last year, if John Gant becomes kind of a hybrid, strong reliever, pretty good starter, suddenly there's little, if any, weakness in that bullpen. As long as A. Miller's good. Yes. If A. Miller's out, I think all bets are off on where it fits because you're missing that lefty. Whether you like it or not, you're going to miss that lefty. But, yeah, Leon being strong adds uh, something you weren't really counting on. You were just like, well, we'll see what happens. We'll because of his injury history, he was basically a non-factor for you last season, and you were kind of counting on him last year uh, to be a factor. Now, coming into this year, not counting on him, but if he becomes that guy, you go, oh, we're much deeper moving forward. And and the way bullpens are being used these days, you know, you need seven guys or eight guys. You really do. I'm talking reliable guys because – if you have a if you have a lead in a lot of these games, you can't depend on just three guys. And I know in years past, you had the situation where maybe it was kind of always a Segrist, a Rosenthal. I mean, some of the names changed, a Mujica, and all that. But you honestly need to have six, seven, eight guys because you're going to be in a lot of these games, and sometimes the games are won or lost in the fifth and the sixth inning. And that's where you need the Gants of the world, the Mike Myers the John Brebias, to to also be those guys that can help you get to the Hickses and the Andrew Millers and the Alex Reyeses of the world. You need to start thinking sixth inning, five and two-thirds for your starters. That's just the way the game is going now. A decade or so ago, I need seven or the, quote, quality start of six. You can almost just say five and two-thirds and six, and then I got to think or develop a bullpen to where on three days out of a seven-day week, I need to start in the sixth inning or five and two-thirds to get victories moving forward. That's just the way the game is being moved. I agree with you. But I really think because of that, you just don't need three guys. You're going to need, like you just pointed out, six to seven, and you're going to have to go through a lot of them. And everybody's got to be on on any given day. Let's make sweeping uh – generalizations and judgments about the goldsmith trade was a failure hey i'll tell you what yeah he didn't hit anything he's terrible listen <laughs> if you're looking at guys who got the extensions not no just one the cardinals did. okay goldie miles michaelis chris sale just got absolutely lit up Machado there. and bryce harper had rough debuts yeah. in their new cities don't you think there is something to that though there's got to be some pressure now i know you could look at it the other way and say well, hell, they got paid. That takes all the pressure off. But there's got to be some human pressure to try and live up to that deal. Paul Goldschmidt, though, if you look in years past, he's had some really slow starts Especially as last well. year. Yes. Last was, year, yeah. 
uh, more so than any. And that's where some of these guys, I mean, you can you can go to baseball reference. There are guys who are just, for whatever reason, they're not good at the end of March and they're not good in April, and then they turn it on. And we're talking month after month, year after year, just some guys start slow also. Remember Adam LaRoche, first baseman? He couldn't hit. He was hitting in the 090s after every April, but then he ended up in the 260s before the season was over. He was chronic for that and uh to where it was like well we're gonna have to move this guy and get rid of him and then by middle of may he was crushing it again and you were ready oh i'm glad we got him on our team and look at matt carpenter last year in april matt carpenter what was he hitting was it below 200 I, oh yeah it was yeah it was, yeah, it was yeah. Yeah. That. yes so you had a guy who statistically for a month was one of the, the worst offensive players in baseball and then for the next what four months he was one of the best players in baseball. We were talking MVP for a while as he was going on those runs and hitting all the home runs and doubles against the Cubs in that series. And then at the end, he kind of fell off. But that also, I think, just happens in baseball where you got guys who are streakier than others. Some people are more kind of consistent from month to month. But, but some guys, they will, they will start in that valley, but they'll have the really high peaks as well. You mentioned Paul Goldschmidt. 495 slugging in his career in March and April. That's the second lowest month for him. So good news, bad news, the lowest is September, October. But in between, you're talking 555 in May, 605 in June, 520 in July, 537 in August. So he does seem to go when the, where the temperature rises, so does his numbers. So maybe not even, well, it's fair to bring it up, but maybe the contract pressure, there's probably something in there where it's just something you think about. But also, historically, this guy has some slow starts. Yes. I'm not worried. Even if it happens for a couple weeks, I'm not worried. I'm obviously not worried about one game. We're joking here with uh, Paul Goldschmidt. <laughs> and, and, look, they lost the game. I'm just kind of watching. You're watching that game. You're watching the Cubs. And Josh Hader throws two innings yesterday. Yeah, that now, was interesting. He only threw 21 pitches. But still, I think it's more of, you know, he got up twice. You warm up twice. And so you're probably not going to see him for at least a day. I just wonder, the, the Brewers' bullpen right now, with Jeffress Hurt, Corey Knable maybe out for the entire year, and you can just kind of see them almost using Hater like, okay, we're going to get this game, we'll worry about the next two, but we're going to get this game, and we're going to use Josh Hader if it has to be five outs or two innings, and we'll figure out tomorrow, tomorrow. I, yeah, I agree. Craig Council's got to manage differently all of a sudden than he has since he's been there, and definitely differently than he did a year ago because he had a three-headed monster. Right now he's got one guy that he knows will get guys out and be dominant. And my goodness, he was so dominant yesterday until Martinez came up. But he that that's going to hurt Milwaukee in the long run because I'm still not sold. Overall, their starting pitching over the course of 162 is good enough to get him or get the – Council to Hater on a consistent basis, because I think again we're back to the. I got a lot of good young arms, but I think they're probably only going five to six innings max. I got a giant hole between five and two thirds and the ninth. Or if you want to bring in Hater in the eighth, you can't. You can only do it three days a week. I think what's also interesting, and, and maybe not so much with the Cardinals. I mean, every team wants to start high, but I think. Coming off different off seasons, is there turmoil? I think it's more important for some teams to start hot. And, again, it's one game. But you look at the Cubs and also their schedule, 
don't you feel like with all the talk about Joe Madden and structure and lame duck manager, contract year, don't you feel like it's important for the Cubs to start hot yes. this year? And game one, they beat up on what you'd expect to be a bad Rangers team. The offense goes nuts. Javi Baez hitting opposite field home runs. He has two of them. Chris Bryant with an opposite field home run. Even Jason Hayward's hitting. And what I'm saying is I think for a team like the Cubs, if they start hot and all of a sudden you look a couple weeks from now and they're 12-5, and I think all of the Madden talk settles a bit. I think it's more important for them to start hot maybe than some other teams. True. That's also why I think they're still going to win the Central because I expect them to just – all the minutia, all the noise, they don't care. All the talk, that group in that locker room knows what they need to do, and they're going to get off to a good start. And they're, in turn, they're going to stick it at everybody they, they come up against. Go, see, you thought we weren't good enough. You thought we were done. We won 95 games last year. We're proud of it, and we're going to strut around like peacocks and let everybody know how good we really are. And it will all even out. But when you're listening to interviews yesterday, we run on Fox 2, and the Cardinals are playing the Brewers, I believe it's 10 times in the first 20 games. Wow. So you're yeah. you're having some knockdown drag outs, and you're beating each other up. And again, over the course of six months, it will all even out. But you look at a Cubs team, and they start with the Rangers. Okay, you have Atlanta, good team. Milwaukee, good team. But then you're talking Pittsburgh, the Angels, the Marlins, the Diamondbacks for a while before you – you meet a, a Dodgers team in, in late April. So what I'm saying is you could foresee the Cubs starting the season real hot, and I think that's important for them with some of the turmoil in the offseason. Turmoil, if you win, it fixes everything, no matter how bad your clubhouse is. If you're winning, everything gets fixed. I mean, you can go back to the amazing A's in the mid-'70s. They hated one another. They couldn't stand one another, but they were going to World Series year after year after year, and you went, and everybody didn't really know the inside turmoil until years later when it started leaking out that Jackson hated this one and they, they hated Jackson, but yet they were there every year dominating the American League. Text line 855-282-8255. Get your Cardinals comments in. Doug's prison wall, says, Michaelis allowed six of his 13 home runs in Milwaukee. Ooh. Everyone should calm the F down. It, it <laughs> does seem like for a guy who likes to pitch up. <laughs> that that's not a ballpark conducive for that. Good point. And Michael, it was mentioned on the broadcast yesterday, that's also something that Mike Maddox likes about him, that he does like to try to get pitches up in the zone and get outs, and Milwaukee's a team that knows all they got to do is just lift that ball just up. a little bit, and yep. and they'll fly out. So Doug's prison wall is saying, maybe they're just that good, maybe that's just not his part. And just, you know, I, I'm not basing any comment on yesterday. It's one game. All I said was that I think it'll be hard overall just based on 18-4 and four is incredible. Sub, oh, yeah. Sub-3 ERA in your first crack at being a starter in the major leagues coming off your, your seasons in Japan, that was an incredible year. I still think Miles Michaelis is going to be a really, really good pitcher, maybe even an elite pitcher again for the Cardinals. I'm just saying it's going to be very difficult for him to replicate 2018 and 2019 in terms of baseball card numbers. He gives me... 180 innings and his ERAs in the three mid threes. I'm very happy with Miles Michaelis. I mean that there's just that. Again, I'm happy with that because he shouldn't be your ace. He should be a like we just said a three, a four, and that 
you take that from a three or four every time. Gibby texting in from the 314. Milwaukee seems a bit desperate having Hader toss a two-inning save. It will cost them in the long run. Splash back, weighing in. It's pretty amazing to know that Colton Wong will for sure hit 324 bombskis this year. <laughs> he is someone who I look forward to watching throughout the course of the year. He looked really, really confident at the plate yesterday. Like he knew he was laying off pitches that he had a tendency to swing at over the last couple of years. Almost like he knows now what his role is and he's comfortable with it. And that, that should be really fun to watch over the next couple of months. Hey, uh, real quick. Oh, we got uh, time, baby. Oh, no. <laughs> up against it. We <laughs> was Marti- Martinez pinch hit for him, right? Yes. All right. My problem with Colton, and I've said this with you guys before, is what goes on between the years sometimes. But he said after the game he was fine with it. He, he said he was, move. but I saw the picture of him hater. in the camera. <laughs> I saw the, they, they had a, a tight shot of him in the camera going into that inning, and you could see how disappointed he was in his face, and I went, oh, no. You're going you're gonna to start the pouting thing already because he has a tendency to, to do the poor me thing when things aren't going well. That's what bugs me about him. I don't doubt he has talent, but always, it's always, there's always a poor me thing at some point. Oh, you know, that's what happens when you're not playing every day. No kidding. <laughs> part of that is you, and part of that obviously was the other manager, but my goodness. See, I, I, I agree with you, but I don't think he does that on purpose. And I'm only saying that because Colton Wong, he's probably the most available guy in the clubhouse True. and has been the last five, six years, and, and that's fine. It's all about what you do on the field. But I bring that up because if you interpret that, and it's fair to do so because we watch all the games, they got close-ups, I think sometimes his body language will tell the story, and I don't think he means to do that. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. But at some point, I mean, this is your seven for him. He's got to know that somebody's had to have said to him, hey, don't let your body land. Because a guy like Wayno talks to any starter, hey, watch how you react on the mound because the, pit, the batter sees your body language on anything, and they will know what you're thinking or, or how you're, you know, what you're thinking of your next pitches. It's kind of the same thing with Colton. Don't sit there and even remotely look like you're pouting. And it's funny because it's, it's one game, it's it's one loss, and I feel like we're already I know, we already super are negative. Going, and we're oh, talking about a guy who just two hit two home runs. Yes. But I bring this up only as a, a word of caution because Colton Wong told us this himself. Mm-hmm. You remember a few postseasons ago when he had, he had the big home run, the walk-off, right? And he even said after the fact, he goes, one of the worst things that could have happened to me was hitting those big home runs, the walk-off homer, in the postseason. He goes, because that's not my game. And and yesterday, he said that afterwards. He goes, look, I'm a gap-to-gap hitter. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run into a few, and I did yesterday. I hit a couple home runs. But I also think just approach-wise, Colton Wong being the guy who's going to be hitting, spraying line drives, and every once in a while he's going to hit two out. But I am so excited to see what he could do over the course of a full, healthy season where he seems to mentally be there. And I do think Schilt has kind of unlocked – his potential, but he's got to do it now. He's got to do it for 150 yeah, games. We have not seen that for a while, and he has not stayed healthy for a full season for a while. But I just think that that's why when we were discussing the lineup, and, and if people don't like a Paul Goldschmidt at two, and they think, okay, he makes more sense at three, and a DeYoung makes a more sense at five, it would not surprise me. I mean, if, if, if for a month or 50 games goes by and Colton Wong is, is hitting really well, driving the ball, getting on base, it would not surprise me 
if he slid into the two hole for a while, if he keeps this up. It's one game. I do think he has that potential, and he kind of fits that role of a two-hole hitter who can run and do some things on the base pass, more of the old-school two-hole hitter. You know what's, uh, I think what's going to be a deeply tough topic for them to handle is, if, I'm, I'm okay with you batting Goldschmidt second, but then the issue is your best three hitter is Jose Martinez then, if that's the roster you want, lineup you want to put together, because then you, you can follow up with two guys who go on base a lot, with a guy who can go gap to gap and is usually a very good contact hitter. And that's a, that's going to be a very difficult decision for them to make in the near future because if you want to optimize this lineup, you got to put your best hitters out there. But then you're going to take away from defense if it's going to be Jose Martinez. That's going to be that's something that might decide the season is how they handle that. And how long does Mike Schilt wait? Yes. I really, because, again... He's already he's, he's on record here. It's your job, Dexter. Go do it. Go win it. But if he can't hit, and you got like you pointed out, you, you know you got a guy like Martinez who is the only guy that was on the field yesterday that could could have turned around a Josh Hader fastball, and he did it, and he wasn't in the lineup. He's got to be in the lineup at some point. And we're not even talking about Tyler O'Neill, who had a great spring in terms of hitting home runs. Now we know he can do that. It's more about can you go up there, can you take some walks, can you keep yourself in the lineup. But that's why, and again, this is not based on one game whatsoever and the fact that Jose Martinez came in and squared up a hater ball. I mean, that's going to happen. He's a very good hitter, and it's not an indictment of Dexter Fowler after one game. It's just what we've seen over the last year or so and just knowing that there's a lot of interesting questions and there's a lot of talent in the outfield, and it's going to be interesting to see how Mike Schilt plays those guys and finds at bats for an O'Neill, a Jose Martinez, knowing they want to keep Fowler out there, but if he's not performing, and again, it's one game, but I think that's going to be something that's that's very intriguing to watch in 2019 because it's going to be a difficult shakeup for Mike Schilt to kind of keep everybody happy and still try to win baseball games. Right, we'll take a break. Brian Hoffman, but Charlie first, but first this. word about one of our friends at the Appliance Discounter, the family-owned factory direct discount appliance retailer based in Webster Grills with stores in St. Charles, Baldwin, Missouri, Fairview Heights, Illinois at St. Charles, Missouri, Saint, uh, South St. Louis County, and downtown St. Louis. Their knowledge of the appliances sets them above their competition. Appliance Discounter is an authorized dealer of top-name brands such as Electrolux, Frigidaire, GE, GE Monogram, Thermidor, Bosch, DCS, Fisher & Paykel, LG, and Samsung, and so much more. Once again, at the Appliance Discounters, where our savings are your savings. And, Chuck, I want to I want to mention that you still have time. We've seen a few people stop by yeah. and enter for a chance to win opening day tickets. The catch is now you can only do it here at the St. Charles Hot Shots locations, uh, Bud Light giving one lucky person an opportunity to go to next Thursday's home opener against San Diego Padres. The drawing itself will be taking place during the 3 o'clock hour. T.J. Moe, I believe, will do the honors of making the official drawing. And next week, in anticipation for opening day, the home opener rather, we're airing the countdown to the home opener for the 2019 Cardinals season. It'll air April 3rd from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. And again on Thursday, April 4th. From 5 a.m. to 7 a.m., it'll feature interviews from the Tim McKernan Show with guests like Dexter Fowler, John Mozeliak, Mike Schilt, and more. 
Thank you to the following sponsors for helping us put this show together. The Angry Beaver, a sports bar with the feel of your local neighborhood bar. It's a great place to hang out before, during, or after every Cardinals game. Located at 730 South Broadway, just a few blocks away from baseball heaven. We have JMH Law Firm. If you're getting in trouble with the law, it's never fun. But you might as well have the best criminal defense lawyer in St. Louis behind you. That's Joe Harvath and the JMH Law Firm. Call them today at 314-827-6222 and Lakeside Roofing. They have built a solid reputation as one of reliability, trust, high-quality work, and competitive prices. Lakeside Roofing features the finest quality roofing materials, and they provide expert installation. Find them online at lakesideroofing.com. Brian Hoffman, Jim Muir, Charlie Marlowe here live at Hot Shots. Come on down, get your raffle ticket to try and hopefully win tickets to the home opener next Thursday. That's going to be fantastic, and we'll have more coming up live from Hot Shots. It's the Midday Grind on 590 The Fan and 590thefan.com. Let your heart 